Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Microsoft Innovative Educator Podcast, episode number one. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and today you are in for a very special treat. Today, we're proud to bring you the first episode in a series that we are calling the MIE Expert Spotlight Series. That's right. TeacherCast and Microsoft Education are teaming up for this official podcasting series to spotlight educators and the amazing things that they're doing in their classrooms. There's, of course, several great ways that you can participate in this series and all of the podcasts on the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at TeacherCast or reach out to Microsoft at Microsoft underscore education and at OneNoteEDU. Our official podcasting series is going to be found over at TeacherCast.net forward slash M-I-E spotlight and all of these shows are going to be archived on iTunes at teachercast.net slash M-I-E audio and on YouTube at teachercast.net slash M-I-E video. Of course, we want to hear all the feedback from this show. We love it when you make comments to all of our podcasts. You can email us at feedback at teachercast.net. Welcome to our brand new podcast. I am so excited to be a part of this show. People who have been following TeacherCast know we've been doing shows for the last couple years with the Microsoft team. We have had a fantastic time, and this is just a continuation of the great content that you'll find on the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network. We have a fantastic show. Today we're going to be talking to an amazing educator from Canada named Cal Armstrong, and he's going to be telling us how he's using OneNote and the Office 365 suite in his math classroom and how he's taking his classroom to the next level. Before we do so, we have a great event coming up in September. On September 24th, Saturday, September 24th, is the annual Hack the Classroom. This is a fantastic event that happens from 8 to 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. That's 11 to 1 o'clock Eastern. And you can find all the information out about this over at teachercast.net slash hack the classroom. Essentially, for two hours, there's going to be amazing keynote speakers and some amazing presentations from educators from all across the world. And we're going to be sharing with you how to do amazing things with your students. We're going to be teaching you how to hack the classroom. I am proud to say that TeacherCast is going to be a part of that live broadcast. I'm actually going to be out there in Redmond in the Microsoft Studios giving you guys the play-by-play audio, the behind-the-scenes stuff of what's going on. I'm looking forward to it. So please make sure that you follow us on Twitter at TeacherCast. We're going to be doing some live Facebook, some live tweets. We're going to be following the hashtag Hack the Classroom. So check that out. We're going to be doing a lot of great stuff over on the TeacherCast network. Um, leading up to that series, and we're actually going to be launching this very podcast right around that time. It should be all up on iTunes and all of your favorite podcasting apps. So check that out. We are so excited to not only be doing this podcast, but being a part of the Hack the Classroom series. My guest today is an amazing MIE and educator from the country of Canada. I want to bring on today Cal Armstrong. Cal, welcome to the show. Welcome to the MIE Spotlight series. Oh, thanks very much. Glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, let's see. I've been teaching math for 20-some years, um, and this is my 16th year here at Appleby College. Uh, we're a grade 7 through 12 co-ed boarding school, so we're pretty pretty intense here. We go from uh, 8 in the morning till about 9 at night. Um, and uh, I've been an MIE for, I think, four years now. And tell us a little bit about some of the things that you guys are doing. And, and did I hear you right? You, you go till nine at night with your school? Well, as an educator, uh, we also uh, go in at 
into the evenings into the boarding residences and help the kids study. And they have uh, two hours of study in the night from seven till nine. So yeah, we're we're occasionally working here at the school till nine at night. That's that's amazing. Um, I I I love that story. I'd love to get into that story a little bit with you there. Um, now. You said you've been in MIE for a few years now. Tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get started? Why did you apply to be an MIE? Um, we kind of stumbled into it. Uh, we've been using Microsoft for 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 forever, um, and uh, our uh, our national uh, Microsoft uh, liaison, um, Leah, um, suggested that what, because of what we were doing here at uh, at the school, we should be more active in sharing it outwards. And part of that process was becoming an MIE so that we would become another voice in, in sort of that international community. That's fantastic. Um, what kinds of things have you been active with in the MIE community? Um, well, there's a, a huge, I mean, actually, absolutely huge uh, community on Facebook, um, on Yammer, um, on Twitter, and it's just a continual sort of stream of conversations that's, that span the globe. And a question will get asked in the morning in, uh, in, uh, in the middle of uh, Austria, and the conversation will develop across North America and end up in the evening in Australia. Um, and all different perspectives, all different uh, voices that are coming in from, from schools that are either public, independent, um, IB, AP, uh, from elementary all the way through to post-secondary. Uh, it's, uh, it's a wonderful community, uh, just a group of people that really want to help and really want to improve education everywhere. You know, one of the things that I've often said about the MIE community is it is a family organization. You know, everybody is there to collaborate together. You do have these various groups. The Facebook group is fantastic. And it really does come down to a bunch of educators who like to collaborate together. You've recently published an article on the Microsoft Education blog all about a specific collaboration professional development day that you have. Tell us a little bit about that post. Uh, yeah, I've been really fortunate Um over the past 14 years to work with the Park City Mathematics Institute. Um, it's a three-week residential program in uh, Park City, Utah. Uh, we gather about 300 mathematicians, uh, which would include about 70 high school, elementary, and middle school educators, uh, all up in a ski resort. And we talk about math for three weeks. Uh, and part of the things that we do with the classroom teachers um, is we do new mathematics with them. Uh, we do pedagogy with them. We do a discussion of pedagogy. And the third part that we do is developing a resource for other teachers, um, not something that they use specifically in their classroom, but something that they have to push out into the community to take what they've learned and make it more uh, more accessible to everyone else. Uh, and that's what we did uh, in the afternoon. Um, they decided on a goal and they develop some kind of resource to bring back to the larger mathematics community. And is this something that starts when you guys get to the event in Salt Lake, or is this a community that meets year-round and you just happen to be there for those uh, few days? Uh, you'd think that three weeks in a residential program would be enough, but uh -oh. no, not a chance. Uh, so we start as soon as uh, the folks get uh, their invitation to the program. We meet on Skype and we start the conversation early. And it's been really nice to see that uh, as people become more and more familiar with online tools, that as soon as we give them that initial push in Skype, they're in there on their own, um, chatting with their group members so that when they hit the ground in uh, Salt Lake, in Park City, they're starting to run with their projects. Um, it used to be a real hassle trying to squeeze that into three weeks. And now because we're sort of time shifting backwards, um, they can get a lot of that uh, discussion and brainstorming done so that when they, they, they meet in Park City for the first time face-to-face, -face, they've actually got a lot of that, 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 that pre-thinking out of the way, and they're starting to look at product. Now, 
as far as the collaboration, like you said, before starting there, you guys do everything through Skype and your videos and 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 is there a, a tool that you guys are using to keep your work organized? Uh, for us, um, we start off with a whole group OneNote, and we put all of that content in there. So as soon as they come into the Skype conversation, they get the link to the OneNote. We open it up. We sort of show them where everything is and how they can drop their own material in there. And then once their groups are decided, they then get their group OneNote that, that's, again, a private space for them to develop all of their content um, it's really handy for me as the guy who has to organize everything to have my finger in all of their little pots all the way along, um, regardless of where they're located. And they could be from Jordan. Um, they could be from, from Turkey uh, and all across the United States and, and Canada. So it's, uh, it's nice that they can add all that content ahead of time um, and I can, I can actually see what they're doing uh, as they're doing it. Now, the one thing I noticed about your blog post is you ended it rather oddly in a way that I've never seen another blog post add, or, or end, I should say. Um, tell us a little bit about that last paragraph. I, I, I'm trying to set you up here for, for a little magic here. Oh, um, I'm trying to remember what the last paragraph was. I'm assuming writing it in Billings. Um, when uh, I go to the program, I've usually flown out, but this time I rode my motorcycle out there. And then on the way back, I, of course, spent about two weeks coming from Utah all the way back to Toronto, Canada. Um, absolutely beautiful trip. Um, but of course, I was asked to write the blog post along the way, and all I had with me was my phone. So I dropped into the Billings Public Library and asked to use a computer and brought up Office 365, brought up all my OneNotes, and was able to compose everything, grab screenshots, all within that Office 365 space, courtesy of the Billings Public Library. And it's really important to kind of make that point, right? I mean, here we are working in a collaborative environment, working on professional development, knowing that you don't have to be tied down to something. Let's transfer transfer that into the classroom experience you've got kids that are in a classroom out of a classroom in their dorm rooms you're working with them probably in in open common spaces like libraries how easy is it to work with those students knowing that you have a cloud-based platform that it doesn't matter if it's a desktop laptop phone tablet everywhere you go your content's available for teaching those kids I mean, that's, uh, it's, it's actually something that we've forgotten at our school. Um, <laughs> we're a one-to-one program, and we've been using uh, the OneNote class notebook now for, we're going on, on five, six years. Um, we've forgotten that people don't work that way. Um, and so for us, it's the kids walk into the classroom, uh, they move into the uh, OneNote class notebook space, and they never leave it for the rest of their academic career here. Um, everything goes into their OneNotes, um, and the teachers interact with them face to face within the OneNote, uh, and it's just a, a fluid um, fish don't realize that they're in water, and we don't realize we're in OneNote half the time, just, just the way we work and the way we breathe. Um, the biggest shift, of course, is when I show up in, in Park City um, and I'm at a one-to-one school, so we all have the same environment. We all have the same physical objects we're working with. Uh, when I come to Park City and work in OneNote, they're on absolutely everything. Um, they're on iPads, they're on, on Windows computers, they're on Mac computers, uh, and there's some Android tablets running around and, and all different types of phones. So it's a different environment at Park City, um, and it takes a little bit, about a day and a half, for them to become sort of comfortable in that OneNote space. Uh, so it's always a good refresher to me to realize that the rest of the world uh, isn't working in OneNote the same way uh, the same way we breathe it here. You know, I I want you to to talk to me a little bit about your teaching style and teaching philosophy here for a second. The one thing that I notice a lot of teachers do when they're starting off in an office suite or an app suite is they find a tool 
and then they really learn how to use that tool and then they go to another application or tool and they really focus on that. When we're looking at professional development and when we're looking at this whole idea that these apps do work together and collaboration isn't just between two people, it's between more than one application. For instance, a OneNote and, and a PowerPoint doc or a PowerPoint doc and a Word doc Talk to us a little bit about how you teach using the entire suite of tools available to you. Uh, it's interesting for me as a mathematics teacher, uh, OneNote is pretty much the only uh, Microsoft tool I would use in the classroom day-to-day um, -day, uh, consistently. Uh, like as I mentioned, we are a one-to-one -one school and we're, we're a tablet PC, a, a pen-based tablet. So all of our mathematical content gets developed inside of the OneNote space in pen um, by both myself and, and the students. Um, my teaching style would uh, would, <laughs> would be non-workshop based, or sorry, non-worksheet based. Uh, so we throw a question up there and we say, okay, where are we going to go with this? What are we going to do with this? And it's the students and I developing the mathematics uh, together. Uh, so... To say that I would use a, a Word or a PowerPoint um, would be sort of only in the situation where we're either I'm off-site and I can't be involved in the discussion. I have to give them a prompt, uh, and I would do that with a, sort of an office mix where they can see me and hear me um, as I go through some content I want them to springboard from. But uh, for us, OneNote is the paper um, that we would normally be used to in a, in, a, in a classroom, say, from the 80s or 90s. And it's just everything builds off of there. Um, so uh, we would jump off into Desmos. We would jump off into GeoGebra. It's, uh, as I said, it's, it, we don't realize we're in OneNote all the time because it's basically the paper that we would just be familiar with if we were to open a binder uh, 20 years ago. You know, I'm glad you mentioned some of those apps out there, and I want you to, to bring back those two specifically because it seems like when I go around and I do my trainings, I hear teachers come back with this common theme, which is math doesn't work well with technology. Or I can't do this specific thing using my that specific application or device. Um, tell us how you've gotten around that. And also, you had just mentioned two great tech tools. Um, share those with us. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> math is a challenge uh, with technology uh, just because that we don't have a keyboard input. Um, we've been a one-to-one -one school since 98, and so... The first thing I did when I was given a, a, a laptop uh, was buy a Wacom tablet so I could actually enter um, materials in digitally with a pen. Because uh, otherwise, you know, a laptop is just too much of impediment. It's just too much uh, mental demand to try to do mathematics at the same time. Uh, it's great if you're going to do the mathematics off on a piece of paper and a pencil and then sort of finalize your comment in a, on a keyboard. But to sort of be in that, that mind space of developing math, self-correcting, uh, writing ideas down, scratching them out, drawing pictures, uh, you can't do that on a keyboard. You can't, you can't learn mathematics in the way that it needs to be developed um, if you have to try to cram it into uh, 26 characters. Uh, that's not the way the mathematical mind works. Uh, so once we moved to a pen-based tablet in 2004, then all of a sudden my students were deeply engaged um, and they could sort of do that free-form thinking with a, a tablet pen. Um, and you had you had mentioned two other applications. Oh yeah, Desmos and uh, GeoGebra. They're <laughs> they're both graphing uh, software, but they they have particular strengths. And so Desmos is really great for things that are functions. Um, there, it's really great for interactive tools. Uh, and on the other hand, GeoGebra, although a great graphing tool, is also a computer algebra system, and it also does dynamic geometry. 
uh, what would be great if they were sort of smash themselves together and make one perfect tool. Um, but our kids are pretty adaptable going, okay, to use, go down this line of thinking, I should use Desmos. To go down this line of thinking, I should use uh, GeoGebra. And are those applications that are available on a tablet or on a phone or how do you utilize those? I mean, again, we're lucky we have a one-to-one tablet program, so they're all available through a web browser and as well as an additional app. Um, phone, it's always a little bit dodgy because it's, it's hard to see and hard to manipulate. Uh, the reason why we don't use the TI calculators is because the screen is this big and sort of that we run into the same problem with the phone. Um, you want to use a web app so that you can actually expand and zoom in and actually see what's behaving on the function. Um, and uh, that's really why we'd want to use either even a Chromebook or, or a Surface or a Mac just to actually have that big screen so the students can sort of see what's happening and not have to squint. So let's get back and talk a little bit about the MIE program and what it does for teachers. I, you know, I've been an MIE now for a little bit over a year. Clearly, it's opened up a lot of doors. I had an opportunity to work with the Microsoft Education folks at ISTE, have a chance to work with them on the show here. But tell us a little bit about your experiences. What does the Microsoft Innovative Educator program mean to you? Uh for me, it's been it's been again as you as you might have mentioned a door opening. Um, we're an independent school. We're set aside sort of from the public school community. Uh, we're set aside from the government provided professional development. So we have to be proactive in, in where we can sort of expand our, our understanding of pedagogy and technology. And and I would say that the Microsoft Innovation Educator Program does both of that. It's not a technology program. It's it's a pedagogy. It's a learning program. Um, a learning outreach where all the the common phrase is uh, the smartest person in the room is the room. And when you're an MIBE, you're in this massive room of all these incredibly talented, incredibly outgoing, incredibly helpful people. And for us, that's been amazing that if we want to do a project, we outline the project and say, is there anyone who wants to participate? And the challenge is more, how do you say no to all the people that want to be involved and only be able to choose one or two? Um, if there's an issue in a classroom in terms of how to use the technology, uh, a common problem, all you do is sort of send a message out there and there's just so many responses back. Uh, and, and, the, and you mentioned earlier that how much of a, a family it is. And I, and I really can say that when, when people are experiencing difficulties in their personal lives and, and that, that surfaces up onto uh, the Facebook or Twitter, um, the, the, the MIE family is there to support them too. And that's, that's amazing to see. People that we never necessarily meet face-to-face or then we do at an MIE conference and actually you get to hug these people and, 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 and bring them into sort of that, 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 that uh, face-to-face family that you have. Um, it's really amazing to see these educators uh, breaking down the classroom walls with, with the sort of the MIE community. I think one of the things that I most use the community for is the question, how? You know, how do I do something? How do I find this? Where do I find this information out? We are here in the beginning of our school year, and we have teachers that might be in a new school district and might be starting off their work using the Microsoft Office 365 applications, OneNote, etc. What advice do you have when you're doing your trainings and when you're working with other teachers on getting your feet wet and really learning how to use these applications in the classroom with your kids? Yeah. Um... For for many of them, it's it's a it's a, a a hesitance to show that they don't know how to do something in front of their class, and when they go into their classroom, they want to make sure that it works perfectly. Um, if anyone ever walks into my classroom, um, they know I screw up all the time, and as I, t- I tell my kids, uh, the only reason I look better at mathematics is because I make the mistakes faster than you. Um, and so, really, it's it's an, an opportunity for teachers to walk into their classroom and say to the kids, you know, we're going to try this out, and it might fail spectacularly. 
and I hope you fail spectacularly because that's where you actually do the most incredible learning. Um, but that's a really hard thing for, for, for teachers to do is walk into a classroom and not be able to run it off perfectly. Um, and so the flip side then is how much preparation can you do? How much sort of play can you do before you walk into the classroom? And that's where, again, not just the MIE community, but their, their whole global community, whatever, whatever space that they're in, um, can be available for help. Um, there are people out there who are more than willing to engage in a conversation on Twitter, on Facebook, by email, um, a series of, of, of Snapchats, of, of help sessions um, that, that they can go through. Here's what the next step. Here's the next step. Um, that all it takes is a, a stepping outside of the classroom into some kind of digital space and asking the question. And if you don't know where to start asking the question, um, then that's the first question to ask of anyone you know that's in social media. Um, because once you get that footstep in the door, then the dominoes start to fall and you find the resources that you, you may need. Um, and it's, a, it's an amazing time to be a teacher because uh, I remember starting out in the early 90s and it was tough to be able to find uh, a help. And it was only through Gopher and then the Math Forum um, where you could actually sort of begin to build that digital community. I honestly wish that when I was going through high school, my math teacher told me it was okay to fail. <laughs> Because that was certainly not my strong point. You, you, you look clearly. Your energy here is is amazing, and and you know your kids must have such a good time working with you until nine o'clock at night. <laughs> so let me ask you the question here that that you know I, I want to kind of make as a theme throughout the rest of the podcasting series. Why are your kids so awesome? Um, they're so awesome because. They love to learn. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm really fortunate that they all come in with with the same device and 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 the the sort of the same environment to work in. And they walk into the room, and I mean, there's no question that they come in sometimes afraid of math with with a background that maybe wasn't successful, and maybe a more and I don't, it's not a judgmental thing. A more traditional classroom where the the teacher showed them what they were supposed to do, and that's the way they've learned mathematics. And it really does take a few months for them to sort of realize that they don't have to be afraid of mathematics, um, that, 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 uh, that they can experiment and, and be wrong. And, and the whole process of, of learning is, is making those mistakes. Um, and it's, it's nice that they feel comfortable enough um, to be able to, to, to sort of uh, make those mistakes all the time <laughs> and, 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 and engage in a conversation with me about why they may be right. Um, I think they're, uh, my kids are amazing because they are full of energy. And I used to teach grade 12 for, for the first 15 years of my career. I did the AP calculus and I said, no, this is, this is, this is too easy. Um, and I, so I switched back to grade 10 and I've been teaching grade 10 now for five or six years and I absolutely love it. They're in the, the midst of, 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 of puberty. And so there's so much chaos going on. And then I have to talk to them about, about factoring a quadratic. Um, and sort of fit that into where their life is at the moment um, and, and their energy and their, their passion about all the other things in their life um, can sort of be transferred into mathematics at the same time. And it's great to hear them when they leave the class, when they come back later and say, you know what, it was, it was not just the, ma the mathematics that you talked about in class, but all the other things about life that, 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 uh, that we ran into when we were actually sort of fitting into the mathematics curriculum. That is absolutely a beautiful story. Uh, did I hear you say that teaching 12th grade AP calculus was too easy? 
<laughs> yeah, the grade twelve AP calculus. The kids they 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 know how to play the game of math. They 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 are focused on their university career, and so trying to convince them to learn something is 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 not a problem. You switch over into the situation where it's grade ten, where um, other things are going on with their life. That it's uh, okay over here. There's math, you know, and you actually have to think about that too. Um, grade twelve AP calculus. Uh, the people want to know it, and uh, it's uh, it's an easy thing to teach. Uh, grade 10, grade 9, uh, another whole other story. Cal, thank you so much for spending time with us today here on the uh, the new uh, MIE Spotlight Series podcast. Before I let you go, I have probably one of the toughest questions I could ever ask a guest. Are you ready to be stumped? Uh, sure, sure, yeah. I'm what? okay with being wrong, remember. <laughs> Where do I go from there? What what is your best teachable moment? What what is what is the one th- what is the one moment out of your career that kind of stands out and you went, yeah, that was it. That was that was that was awesome moment. I, I I reached a kid. A kid did something awesome. What is your best teachable moment? Surprisingly enough, I mean that that was actually like the easiest question you could have possibly asked me because it, it's one that I come back to all the time, uh, and it's the reason why I do what I do and why I sort of push where I push when I talk to other teachers, um, and. She's, she's, she's graduated. She's likely has kids of her own now. Um, but uh, Tahira was a student in my, in my calculus class back sort of my second, third year teaching. And Tahira uh, came from a different culture and would not speak in class. It just, I, was a, I was a male um, and she was a young girl and she didn't talk. And, and so it was really hard to sort of engage in a conversation about mathematics where you would get a nod, you would sort of get a, a, a shake of the head, but that would be it. And, and then, and I, and I believe it was ICQ at the time, um, was, was the sort of the instant messaging system that we had at the school. And of course, the kids were right on top of it. It was rampant. Um, but she started to ask questions through ICQ at night. It was a residential school again. And that was the conversation, the way the conversation could develop. She couldn't ask anything in class, but she could do something online at night uh, on ICQ. And, it, and, and that stuck, struck me that the reason why we have to use technology is because we need to give the kids who don't have a voice in the physical medium a voice somewhere else. And anytime we can do that, we've served our purpose and the technology has served its purpose. And we've come miles and, and, and technologies from, from that very simple text-based questioning system that Tahir and I used um, to, to spaces like this, uh, to spaces like OneNote, to spaces like Sky, and, and just an infinite number of possibilities. And every time we can find a way to give a kid a voice um we've made the correct step and made the correct choice cal you know we talked a little bit before coming on to the air and uh there's one more story that i want you to tell me about that you have a, you have a very special relationship with one note don't you <laughs> uh yeah it's <laughs> yeah um We've we've been using OneNote for for uh, since two thousand three two thousand four and we've we've sort of we've struggled with it we we sort of saw potential and 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 tried to sort of poke it and prod it and fit it into the way we wanted to work and we finally sort of sat put our foot down and said no we're gonna we're gonna make it work the way we want it to work and and, and spent a a year sort of whacking away at it and what came out was. Uh, this class binder that we used, where we had spaces for teachers and spaces for kids and spaces for groups, and there were parents could come in and see. And we we started using it, and 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 sort of two months, three months in, after it sort of took off at our school, like like no one's business. We had like ninety five percent of our classes using it, um, with with no training at all. Uh, we realized that uh, we have to sort of 
not not don't sort of hold this and sort of spread it out into the community and and so i wrote a paper and that paper sort of got shown in front of microsoft and they said you know what the the school really is onto something and what came out of that was the one note class notebook and we're we're so happy and so thrilled every year to sort of see the massive number of schools that are using it and the feedback has been exactly what we saw when we first started it uh five six years ago is that it it, it helps with assessment it helps with learning it helps with communication between the teacher and the student and if i go back to to Tahira, um, the, the the space that where a student can write something and a teacher can write feedback and they can engage in a conversation without having to be face-to-face, without having to worry about anyone else overhearing, without anyone having to, to sort of panic about, about the, being out of space and out of time and, and not in the same area. Uh, it's just an ongoing conversation of, of learning uh, that can happen. And it's just, it's, it's been a great trip with OneNote and we look forward to it in uh, even a, a more amazing future. And you know what? That's just one more reason why it's so important out there as an educator of any grade level, of any size, you know, reach out to these ed tech companies. They want your feedback. I can't think of, of a major ed tech company out there that doesn't have somewhere provide feedback, right? And, and, and they're looking for that because ultimately these companies want to make products that you're going to use to inspire kids. And that's, a, that's an amazing story, man. And I mean, it's been a massive shift in terms of what you say about companies wanting feedback from from sort of the early 2000s. And then sort of about 2005, the companies suddenly realize that there's this this buildup of, of, of interest and and and. And, and feedback that they can get to make all of their products better. And I would say that Microsoft has been incredible for us, that we've pushed them and they've said, they responded and they haven't said, you know, that's not the right thing. They've recognized that teachers have a particular need, a particular direction, a particular perspective. And it's not Microsoft saying, here's how teachers should teach. It's saying, oh, here's how teachers are actually teaching and how kids are learning. Let's adapt the tools to fit the actual reality. Cal, I'm sure that people out there want to know how to reach you and how they can also get professional development until 9 o'clock at night. Where can we find you, my friend? Uh, uh, certainly on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is old and for, for entirely different reasons is simply SIG225, SIG225. Um, and uh, I'm on LinkedIn, of course, and my blog is continuousformation.blogspot.ca. Um, uh, continuous formation is a concept from John Dewey. And then, of course, I am Googleable, but there's this football player that might be actually posted ahead of me. So if you do Cal Armstrong math, uh, you'll get me instead. Cal, thank you so much. Um, and thank you, by the way, for being our first guest here on the MIE Spotlight Series. Uh, not a problem. Not a problem. And that right there wraps up episode number one of our brand new podcast, the MIE Spotlight Series, featuring you, the Microsoft Innovative Educator. We are here to help tell your story and share your passions with your students and talk about how you and your kids are being awesome. There's, of course, several great ways that you can reach out and join this show and be a part of it each and every week. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at TeacherCast, and you can follow all the great stuff happening at Microsoft Education at Microsoft underscore EDU and at OneNote EDU. Of course, all of our podcasts can be found on TeacherCast.net slash MIE Spotlight, and you can subscribe to this and all of our shows at TeacherCast.net slash MIE Audio and TeacherCast.net slash mie video and if you're watching this for the first time we welcome you to leave comments leave five star ratings and really help get this brand new series underway we love it when you share teacher cast programming with your pln if you're interested in communicating with us 
please leave us a voicemail over at teachercast.net slash voicemail. I love working with teachers across the world, and I want to help you make sure that you're achieving your full potential in your classroom. And one last time, don't forget, on Saturday, September 24th, Microsoft Education presents Hack the Classroom, a very unique live style video program again 8 to 10 a.m pacific time 11 to 1 eastern time and you can find out information about that over at teachercast.net slash hack the classroom i'm looking forward to being out there and sharing the stories of teachers and educators worldwide and i hope that you'll join us on behalf of everybody here on teachercast and the microsoft education network my name is jeff bradbury thank you so much for joining us keep up the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions with your students